0: Before we get started, I've got a short message. We're running a survey for Behind the Money, and we'd love to hear from you, what you like about the podcast, and what we can do to make it better. Please go to ft.com slash behindthemoneysurvey and fill it out for a chance to win a pair of Bose QuietComfort noise-canceling headphones. Now, on with the show. As coronavirus spread across the globe this month, the vital credit markets that underpin the financial system began to seize up. It's been a volatile month for the 10-year treasury yield as the coronavirus continues to panic the bond market.
1: Now, the liquidity crunch in treasuries has led to a $5 trillion promise from the Fed to calm markets.
0: Meanwhile, corporate treasurers were grabbing on to whatever cash they could. Well, companies
1: have responded to the crisis in much the way, same way as consumers, which is that they've been dashing to essentially hoard not so much tins of baked beans and toilet rolls, but cash.
0: This is Behind the Money. I'm Amy Keane. On this episode, we're looking at the corporate dash for cash and how one industry is preparing for the economic uncertainty that lies ahead. Going into 2020, car makers were already nervous. The three biggest markets were all facing
2: problems. So the U.S. market, which is the cash cow for many of the big players, was starting to show signs of softness.
0: That's FT Motor industry correspondent Peter Campbell.
2: There were concerns over whether the level of SUV and pickup sales that have sustained the market would be able to sustain. The Chinese market was expected to fall again. It's fallen the last couple of years. And then in Europe, all car makers were facing uh, hugely difficult CO2 targets that required them to sell electric vehicles on which they make very little money. Uh, So from three sides, really, the industry was facing a, a potential squeeze this year. And that's before anyone had even heard of coronavirus. We're going to begin here with the outbreak of a mystery virus in China that now has the World Health Organization on edge. At least four people have died. The Chinese authorities have imposed a lockdown in the central city of Wuhan, where the coronavirus was first discovered. Nationally, there are currently 830 confirmed cases of patients infected with the virus.
0: But
1: outside of China, international concern is growing, with cases now confirmed in Vietnam, Saudi Arabia and Singapore.
2: So as we remember, the first cases of coronavirus were detected right at the end of December in Wuhan in Hubei province in China. Uh, And a couple of weeks later, the entire car industry in China closed down uh, for the Lunar New Year. This was obviously expected. And then it was during this shutdown that a lot of the cases spread and we saw double digit confirmed cases of coronavirus in a huge number of Chinese cities. And so in late January, these shutdowns were extended beyond their original period. And you saw many of uh, the big car makers internationally start to airlift non-Chinese staff out of China, right? So Nissan did it, Peugeot and Renault did it, um, General Motors did it, others did it as well. Uh, Now, uh, Wuhan and Hubei are huge car-producing region within China. It's sometimes called... Uh, you know, the, the Detroit of China. And so around this area, you had a huge number, not just of car plants, but also of uh, supply chain companies and suppliers and component makers who sold not just to manufacturers in China, but actually exported across the world. And so that in the, co- in the weeks that followed the outbreak led to potential problems outside China as well.
1: And car manufacturing giant Hyundai, is gradually going to suspend production at its South Korean factories. Unions say that the coronavirus outbreak in China has disrupted supplies of vehicle parts.
2: So at the start of February, you saw Hyundai closing its plants in Korea, citing part shortages from China. A few days later, Fiat Chrysler warned that one of its European plants was two weeks away from closing because of a shortage of parts from Hubei province. And then at the end of February, you know, you had Nissan closing some sites in Japan, you had Jaguar Land Rover in the UK flying parts out of China in suitcases in order to try and keep its plants open. But it was still at this point a supply chain issue. It was still a question of, can we get our parts out of China? Can we, you know, navigate this industrial disruption?
0: But as we know, by March, the virus had spread well outside of China. And the problem for carmakers was no longer merely one of supply chains.
2: And so as Italy became the center of the European outbreak, you saw some companies try and use measures to try and keep their plants open. Fiat closed its plants in Italy to give them a deep clean with the expectation it would open them the following week, but it would have staff working much further from each other to be more distant. They'd be two meters apart. They'd all have face masks to try and keep its industrial engine running while also protecting its staff.
0: By last week, every car plant in Europe had closed.
2: In the case of the american car makers this was a decision that was drawn out over several days
0: let's look
1: at the auto industry where plants in the motor city and throughout the u.s could soon be shutting down this comes after two confirmed cases of covid 19 at ford and general motors
2: detroit's automakers made the decision to shut down all of their north american plants it was a coordinated decision between ford general motors fiat chrysler and the UAW union in the US, which is very influential. And talks have been going on between these four parties. And the UAW were pushing for closures because people in work uh, were not feeling safe about turning up to work. Uh, Car plants have a lot of workers on the assembly line. They work close together. A lot of people touching the same vehicle as it goes down the line. Huge potential for spreading the disease. People were naturally uncomfortable about this. They're working long shifts together. And there were actually some instances in the US where some of the car plants were stopped because workers downed tools over safety and health concerns. But then it was a couple of days after that, that actually Chrysler and GM and Ford took this decision just to close everything. And workers were sent home. Some of them were given reopening dates. Some of them weren't. Huge amount of uncertainty. Uh, But I think most of the workers at the time certainly felt it was the safe thing to do because they felt unsafe coming into work.
0: What does it mean then for these car makers to be shut down, to not be making any vehicles right now?
2: Well, they still have vast uh, workforces uh, across the world that they have to keep on, whether they're engineers, whether they're line workers. These are highly skilled operatives that they do not want to lose because they are expecting and everyone is still expecting that when we come out of this crisis. And that's a question of timing. When we come out of this crisis that the global economy will recover, that demand will recover, uh, and actually that they will carry on selling cars in very large numbers, and so they need all these workers to stay on their books in order for them to uh, to be able to to ramp up effectively once we come out and This is why everyone is paying such attention to China and trying to see you know whether or not china 's economy is recovered, you know how car sales are doing there, how car dealerships are doing there. And so, uh, you know, all of these companies will still be wanting to pay wages. Now, this is sustainable uh, as long as governments put in the money and it's sustainable for a few weeks if the car makers are stumping up money themselves. But if this goes on for two, three, four, five, six months onwards, then you get to a real situation where the governments will be unwilling to continue stumping up or the car makers just won't have the money to stump up.
0: The carmakers, just like many other industries, are trying to shore up cash to weather the economic storm, to keep highly skilled workers on payroll, even if it is at partial pay, so that whenever things do return to normal, they can, in theory, turn the factory lights back on and turn out new vehicles.
2: And that's where we are today. We're in an extended shutdown. And honestly, no one knows when they're going to reopen again.
0: can you quantify the impact of an extended shutdown
2: we've seen some estimates uh, just out of germany alone that the german car makers bmw volkswagen and daimler have fixed costs in the region of 400 million euros a day between them uh, and you know in the united states much much larger market that's going to be you know, multiplied and everyone is expecting this to have a big impact on global demand because you know you can open your car plants again in five six weeks if the government says it's safe but if the economy has gone into a downturn if people are losing jobs and are uncertain about job security they're not going to be buying a new car right you already saw uh, car demand absolutely collapse uh, in China during February then um, IHS which is a very respected forecasting group came out and said that coronavirus will have um And I'm quoting here, an unprecedented and almost instant stalling of demand in 2020. Its latest projection is that global auto sales will fall more than 12% this year, uh, down to just under 80 million units a year. But that obviously is dependent on a reasonably short shutdown and a reasonably quick ramp up in demand afterwards. But really, when the the plants open and when uh, economic activity returns to a level Uh, that you see demand coming back is the billion-dollar question.
0: In the meantime, Ford and GM have gone to great lengths to stay afloat. Now, both of these carmakers, much like their peers, fund their regular business operations with a mix of short-term bonds and commercial paper. They also have internal financing businesses, which they use to finance car purchases and loans to dealers. Having cash on hand is critical for the normal flow of business.
2: Auto manufacturing is an incredibly capital-intensive industry, um, huge amounts of investment in new product, and particularly coming into the the kind of world as we were at the moment, you know, certainly pre-corona, all of these companies also had ginormous investment requirements to invest in electric vehicles and other technology that they need to put into their cars. So they're hugely capital-intensive businesses. They're always issuing pretty short-term bonds, and the mix of that and commercial paper, and that's how they really do it.
0: But by last week, they had both tapped their emergency credit lines to stockpile cash while they could. Think of it like maxing out your credit card.
2: So if we just you know break down the numbers, Ford, which had 22 billion of cash uh, or equivalents on hand, drew down 15.4 billion from its credit line. That's the entirety of its credit line gone. Now, Ford... Is a dividend company. It's still family controlled or well, family owned, and the reason that many investors buy into it is because of the dividend, because they believe the family will never uh, cut the dividend.
0: Sure enough, Ford did cut the dividend earlier in March.
2: And so, for the for the company to have ditched the dividend is a sign to investors and in the markets that they are absolutely serious about uh, keeping operations, you know, going about keeping staff on about keeping solvent.
0: And then there's GM. Uh,
2: and you know, you've seen General Motors, which has uh, sort of 15 to 16 billion cash, they estimate at the moment, making this huge $16 billion drawdown uh, on its credit lines. Now it still has a tiny amount left. It has about 1.5 billion left. And so they are also making similar signs that they are bulking up and they are, you know, preparing to weather this storm to come out on the other side.
0: Ford and GM are not alone. Last week, an FT analysis showed that more than 130 European and American companies had drawn down more than $124 billion. And that figure is expected to get much higher.
1: Well, credit lines are something that banks extend to companies all the time. That's the FT's Jillian Tech. They're not usually displayed on the balance sheet of the banks, although under some jurisdictions they need to be reserved against. But they tend to be expended on the presumption that they will only ever be drawn down on an idiosyncratic basis. Um, or to put it in another way, a company will have a problem that's specific to that company, which causes it to suddenly need cash. The banks have always... Pre- tended to presume that you won't have a systemic call on credit lines in that sense that all the companies call them at once. So, the fact we're seeing the systemic call on credit lines and every single company that has a credit line is essentially scrambling for cash raises questions about the banks and their ability to respond. Right. Now, the good news is that thus far, it seems that most of the banks can respond because we went into this crunch much better capitalized than we did back in, say, 2007, 2008, And the banks in America have had a pretty good year um, before this and have got pretty fat cushions. The bad news, though, is that we don't know how long this dash for cash will last. And we also don't know what happens if other companies start desperately looking for cash and putting pressure on their banks. Because the reality is that the stronger companies can usually get credit lines. The weaker ones usually can't. And it's not clear whether what the Fed is doing at the moment is actually going to save them.
0: Could we then be facing... I guess, a painful reckoning then, if stronger companies are going to be able to raise debt and the weaker companies just can't?
1: Unlike 2007 and 8, when we had a financial crisis, essentially caused by problems in finance, the problem this time round is that we have a crisis in the real economy in the sense that the coronavirus has caused a sudden stop in economic activity hurting companies, which is now bleeding through to finance. So that means it's going to be very hard for the Fed to fix this with financial tools alone. And in some ways, it's caught in the worst of both worlds in that it's frantically trying to keep the financial system going, but without the tools to actually fix the underlying problem.
0: The underlying problem being in the real economy itself. Peter, despite a lot of these very serious cost pressures that we've talked about and the macroeconomic environment, Very few of the large European car makers, if any, have drawn down their credit lines. While we're talking about two of the big three U.S. players, Ford and GM, doing so, why is this such an issue in North America and not necessarily the case in in other parts of the world?
2: You know, these are the largest draws we've seen from any corporate, right? I mean, they dwarf any other uh, credit line draw we've seen in the last three weeks. Ford and GM are still numbers one and two. In this market, in terms of who's who's drawn down their credit lines, all the other car makers have them. They just haven't touched them yet. I think there's a couple of reasons um, behind that. Partly, the experience of operating in North America. During the downturn, remember General Motors went bankrupt. Ford came very close to going bankrupt, but avoided it by selling off lots of their other brands and raising extra money. These companies have a very survivalist instinct. You know, many of the finance teams in there were the same finance people who ran the businesses in 2008, 2009, and they remember what it was like then, and they like to avoid that situation again. Thank you very much. Um, They also have a slightly unique global footprint that Ford and GM and Fiat Chrysler are incredibly heavily reliant on the North American market for their profits. If you look particularly at Ford and particularly at Fiat Chrysler you know, something like 90% of their of their profit. In fact, nearly all their profit comes from North America, all of their other operations in Europe, in China and Latin America are sort of either nice to haves or drains on the business. And so for these guys, if they're facing uh, a full closure of the North American market, for potentially one month, two months, maybe more, that is extremely concerning for them. Whereas if you're someone like uh, Volkswagen, and you make Half your profit from China, and you have a small US business and you're big in Europe, then China, as it starts to come back, actually gives you a little bit of, of help with that. And some of the Europeans who have big Chinese operations are getting a little bit more help from China coming back just to tide them over while Europe is, is down at the moment. <music>
0: Right. So the, the prospect of a prolonged shutdown in the domestic market for these U.S. car makers is just that much more concerning than some of the more diversified, at least those geographically diversified manufacturers in Europe or elsewhere. Thanks, Peter. The auto industry is under significant pressure from the prolonged coronavirus shutdown. In the time since we recorded this episode, Ford's debt has been downgraded to junk. That's owed in part to a high cash burden while its factories are closed. Meanwhile, all three of the big U.S. carmakers have rolled out plans to help make medical equipment or protective gear to fight the pandemic. The Trump administration has even triggered its wartime powers to get GM to make badly needed ventilators to help seriously ill coronavirus patients. There's much more to watch on this front, and you can read reporting from Peter and our regional reporters. It's all at FT.com. don't forget to go to ft.com slash behind the money survey to fill out the survey for a chance to win a pair of Bose headphones. You can also get in touch with us directly at behind at ft.com. This episode was produced by me and Oluwakemi Aladasui. We'll be back with a new episode in a couple of weeks.